So I'm going to sell this to your your listeners here, and I might make some enemies, and then it always happens. It doesn't matter where you work. You could be in the office, you could be hybrid, you could be remote. Things like team health, no impact. Want to know how the world's smartest engineers are proving their dev team's connection to the business bottom line? Or how they keep a lead cycle time while minimizing dev burnout and maximizing retention? These are just two of the topics leaders from Slack, Shopify, and Stripe will tackle at Interact on October 25th. A free, virtual, community-driven engineering leadership conference, Interact is a one-day event with more than 25 of the most respected minds in software engineering, all selected by the thousands of engineering leaders in the dev interrupted community. If you are a developer, team lead, VP, or CTO looking to improve your team, this is the conference for you. Go to devinterrupted.com slash interact to register free today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Connor Bronson, and today I'm joined by Mark Kruth, Atlassian's resident modern work expert and evangelist. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Connor. Super excited to be here. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Oh, I, I completely agree. Uh, Mark and I were talking right before the show about how we both love to just kind of dive into the details and aren't going to follow the talk track the producers give us. So this is going to be a, a really fun one, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going off, to have- the, uh, off the road here. Hey, that's where you, that's how you innovate. You get off the beaten path. Yeah, sometimes you get lost too, though. So hopefully we'll avoid that. We'll, we'll uh, find our way back. Yeah, it'll, it'll wander back. Um, and and the, one of the reasons I'm really excited to have you on is not only are you an excellent speaker and you're armed with some really cool data that Atlassian has, you're also an Interact speaker. So you may have just heard if you're listening to this episode, uh, a commercial for Interact. It's our flagship conference. I'm going to keep it brief. It's going to be a ton of fun. Mark will be there. Thank you, Mark. And joining Atlassian and all the other incredible logos on our speaker list will be folks from seller companies like Slack, Shopify, Stripe, Clockwise, and many more. It's October 25th. It's completely free. It's virtual. There's a link in the show notes. We'll see you there. Now, Mark, I alluded to it earlier. You have some very interesting data to share with us. We do. We love data here at Linear V. <laughs> if you're not watching the video, Mark's stroking his beard here, which you'll see me do. That's what we do when we talk about data. Oh, that's why we have the beards. Come on. Exactly. Uh, and you have a statistic that I'm reading here that 83% of teams have something holding them back. Or oh, yes. to put it another way, only 17% of teams are considered truly healthy. Uh, now, we should qualify this a little bit. These numbers are from the State of Teams report by Alassia. Let's start with a bit of an intro. Mark, can you introduce yourself to the audience and what you do at Alassian and maybe then we'll dive into the report a bit? Yeah, I'll tell you who I am and just kind of tell you a little bit about that report because it is a really interesting kind of you know, statistic there. So uh, listeners out there, my name is Mark Kruth. I am what you call a modern work evangelist at Atlassian. And you might it. wonder like, how did you get a title like that? And, uh, and really what it came down to is I, I've spent my whole career working as a coach, a developer, you know, working to actually get stuff done day to day. And for me, that's that's where I like to play. I like to solve problems now. And I like to deal with what we're kind of considering today, modern work. This is post-pandemic. How are we working today? I don't care about what's going to happen in 2030 at this point. I'm, we can let the future stay where the future is because three years ago, we thought we had an idea what the future was going to be. And uh, then we all know how that played out. So for me, that, I, I love focusing on the things we do today to get better, just those little, little inches here and there. And so for me, as I work with Atlassian, one of my passions has always been about our practices. And so I've found an opportunity to be able to merge my love for kind of getting stuff done with the practices that have helped us get stuff done over the years. 
And so I go out there and I, I uh, one, I, I talk to organizations, teams, groups about the practices from Atlassian, but also share my stories. I'm still working with teams today, helping them find those inches around the place and going out sharing those stories. So coming on to things like today's podcast to be able to kind of tell you about, you know, some of the things we find, but then also my anecdotal experience in terms of saying, hey, it's not just facts and figures. There's some stories behind this, too. I'm really regretting not just asking you, how did you get that amazing title? Because you told this great story of it. It would have been a better lead in. Uh, <laughs> hey, there we go. You know what? That We're storytellers here, right, Connor? That's what yeah. we do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what is the state of teams report that yeah. you mentioned? So last year, so 2021, one of the things that Atlassian got focused on, and it's actually, it's always been focused on, if you're familiar with our mission, unleash the potential of every team. We are very focused on how do teams work? How do they get better? We've got products to help support that. But in the end, it's the practices, the ways of working that helps get stuff done. And so we decided to launch an initiative that says, you know what, let's kind of go out there and kind of find out what's going on. And so we launched this initial study that went out and found, you know, what was the state of teamwork? Things like team health, which we'll talk about a little bit as we go here in terms of what does that mean? Things like you know, where you work, the impact of that, things like how you collaborate, how you align with others. And so we ran through our first report last year, got some great feedback. And so we've started our, we we completed our second iteration coming at the beginning of this year. So we released our state of teams 2.0 at the beginning of, uh, and I think it was in March of, of just this last year. And so one of the things that we've spent a lot of time focusing on in this one is how do we start looking at patterns now. We've got a data point from last year. Now let's start seeing how things change. Where are we looking at? How have, you know, how has health changed? How has remote versus hybrid versus in office? How has things like engagement, all those kind of fun things. So this report is dedicated to really understanding teams. And one of the cool things is we're continuing to do it. One thing we'll kind of talk about, you know, I think as we wrap this up is that we're doing another one right now. And there's some cool findings that we may share in a upcoming conference that we may have mentioned on this podcast. Yeah, may have mentioned a few times. Uh, Maybe. I I really like this idea of we're going to evaluate how teams are working. Obviously, I think a lot of folks are starting to do that, but also doing it for specifically for modern work and looking at like, how can we aggregate marginal gains across the board for these teams? Because to, to reference what you said about inches, right? Like there are there are little places you can just make a difference now that go so far to reverberate okay. across the organization. You don't have to ch- you don't have to up tip the apple cart to actually get things better. You know, you don't have to go in there like we're going to go through a major transformation or we're going to do that. Shoot, even some of our data has indicated that transformations, although successful, actually lead to things like turnover and just this feeling of burnout. You know, those are things that yes, they're impactful. But the thing is, is we can get to that same destination in a much more progressive way. How did you aggregate this data? How was it collected? We surveyed, at least for the State of Teams 2.0, we surveyed roughly 1,500 individuals across the U.S. and Australia, two major hubs for us. And so these are non-Atlassians. These are knowledge workers, so folks who are spending their time solving complex problems. Uh, They range anywhere in age from, I think it was like 21 to 65. So we have a good demographic spread across different types of teams, different types of individuals and teams. And so what we did is we, we simply surveyed them. We put a, had a 15-minute survey. We were able to collect that data. And then we've got a actual whole research team on staff. I mean, PhDs who are actually going through the data and list, looking for actual like statistical significance in that. Like, is there something, inter, an interesting pattern here? Let's dive deeper into it kind of thing. 
And I saw this opening line to the report. It's not where yeah. you work, but how you work that makes teams thrive. So I'm guessing that's a lot of what you saw in the data. So I'm going to sell this to your your listeners here, and I might make some enemies, and then it always happens. It doesn't matter where you work. You could be in the office, you could be hybrid, you could be remote. Things like team health, no impact. Now, that's a little bit of a fib, and the only reason I say that is that we did find that there's a range and healthy teams anywhere from like 15 to 20 percent is kind of where the number of healthy teams are. 18 and 20 percent of the you know those numbers are with the remote and the hybrid. 15 percent of office workers are are healthy. So the data indicates that you're you're a little better off if you're you know you're actually uh, hybrid or remote, but it doesn't actually play that much into into the grand scheme. And, and I think the big thing I wanted to bring out with this is that that is the sexy thing today. Everybody's talking about this. It's got all the main headlines. But the problem is, is we're fixated on, honestly, the wrong thing. We're, we're fixated on this problem because I think we can all relate to it. But the actual underlying issues have to do with those modern work problems. It has to do with the things like, guess what? Teams are really struggling with engagements. Teams are struggling with how they align with each other and connect with each other. These are the things that actually lead to these unhealthy teams and you know, ultimately cause things like turnover, ultimately cause things like, you know, you, you hear that term out there, which I'm not a big fan of, but that term of quiet quitting, basically lack of engagement. Those are things that result in that. So you're using this term healthy teams. Can you define that a bit more so we can be specific? Yeah. So what we do is in terms of healthy teams, we actually have four elements of that. It's made up of what we consider team engagement, which is enthusiasm. Like, do you want to be here? Do you love working with this group? Performance. So we actually are looking at things like, is your team effective at what they do? Uh, things like climate, we call it team climate. It really is kind of the culture of the team. What are the behaviors that, that you see within your group that you support? And then finally, we have this idea of team sustainability. This is that idea of, are we, do we see this team for like, uh, as a long lived? Do we see this team as a group that can continue on at its current pace? Uh, and so we look at each one of those quad elements and those make up a number of different questions in our survey. And then when we pull that data back, we then weight those against each other to kind of come up with like, all right, maybe you're super enthusiastic about your work, but you know what? Your sustainability and your climate, these sorts of things just aren't really cutting it. You may be lower in your health scores at that point. But if you're you know, knocking it out of the park with all of them, you're likely in a very healthy team. Are there particular areas where you saw teams struggle more? So let's say, was it the healthy team climate was the issue for more teams? Or was it psychological mm -hmm. safety, something else? We had a couple areas that definitely popped up. So, you know, and I think it comes down to it is when we looked at like the team health scores, some of the major reasons why teams were unhealthy had to do with things like that connection back to the organization. So a little bit of that climate, a little bit of that culture, not necessarily be feeling connected to things like the organizational goals, not feeling like the organization is empowering them to kind of take ownership. So if we think about the behaviors that the organization kind of enables, all of a sudden the teams are a reflection of that. And if you've kind of got, if you've kind of got some very traditional ways of trying to run teams with a little bit of, you know, command and control, you know, narrow decision-making, things like that, the team culture, team climate is going to suffer for that. We did find, though, that you start seeing the inverse of that. You start seeing organizations that 
actually are supporting that decentralizing decision makings. That's where you see that spike. And that's where we started seeing more or less healthy teams are ones that exhibited great connection back to their organization and really, you know, strong like things like psychological safety in their organization, meaning they could speak up and there's no fear of reprisal. It's not that idea of like, do I want to speak up? It's I have there's no reason I can't speak up. So those are some cool things that we started seeing pop out of those elements. I've heard that decentralization of authority piece be referred to as like leading from every seat, right? Where you want to enable people as leaders throughout the org. Was that something that you found to be more common in hybrid or fully remote teams? Mm, Interesting. So I can't say I know in our data if that is directly connected in there. What I can say, though, is that based on the holistic data, what we're seeing is that teams that do encourage that idea of leading from every seat, that idea of how do we push decisions down to the team, that psychological ownership that starts coming over the ability to kind of steer your own ship definitely drove things around, you know, a feeling of engagement and autonomy by the teams. This idea that, hey, I can go forward and we can, we, we don't have to wait for a decision from someone or I have the most knowledge, I can make that decision. So we did find that in our base data that essentially decentralization of decisions is one of those leading indicators to help the team kind of say, am I in an environment that is really supporting team growth? Yeah, and there's been a lot of data that says that feeling connected to your work and like you can actually make an impact is yeah. what makes people happy and keeps them there. So oh, yeah, right. Information, and that definitely aligns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I'd be, you know, one of the things I'd be interested in, Connor, in terms of your world, I mean, what have you seen in terms of like decentralization? Do you, how would you describe that in your teams that you work with? Do you feel like you've kind of got that? And, and if so, how does that help you perform? Yeah. So I think for our team here, we definitely, it's something we're, we're continually trying to iterate on and, and be, do a better job of. And I kind of aspire to something that, um, Darren Murph from, from GitLab talked about mm-hmm. with us last year, where he said for particularly for hybrid and remote teams. And so we're largely remote, but we have a couple of offices. So we qualify as hybrid. I think you have to really reconsider how you do asynchronous work versus just throwing yourself into Zoom all the time. And this is where I think that decentralized decision making mm-hmm. comes into real play, right? People need to feel empowered to take things on their own. And as a a leader myself, like I've struggled with this sometimes to make sure that every member of my team knows they can just jump on the things they're owning and really take charge because it's something I want to enable. And I think it's something that, to be honest, like uh, I learn a lot from the the guests like yourself who are coming to the show who talk about this because it's a, a common theme with the top leaders is they're not only leading themselves, but they are building up leadership within their organizations. Yep. Because to your point, that creates psychological safety, that creates that healthy team climate. So I, I think that... And one thing I'll say, it's not necessarily in our data, but it's anecdotal experience here. I've seen working with our customers is that you, we're starting to see a very a very strong uptick in this focus on things like leadership development, to exactly your point, because of the fact that, you know, as we we start working in this more asynchronous way, we start realizing that this is, this is the way we're going to work from here on out. How do we lead in an environment like this compared to before? And the thing is, the way we led when maybe we were all together, a lot of my career, I'd been in an office and you know what? My team was all around me and we could communicate very well together. And then all of a sudden I get pulled out. I can't communicate as well. There's that balance of where do I lean? Do I lean heavy on that aspect of 
all right, I've kind of almost got to micromanage to just feel like I'm in the loop versus where do I pull back and encourage maybe new ways to asynchronously, you know, understand what's happening? Do we have some agreed on ways the team, we as a team are going to keep each other connected? And so it's been really interesting to watch companies now start making some heavy investment in terms of what does real people leadership look like? And I, I, that's going to be stuff that as we continue to do our research in the teams, we're going to continue to pull on those strings because understanding you know the state of leadership on these teams is going to be a direct correlation to you know that health of that team so when you're talking to leaders and they're thinking about what to change mm-hmm. what are the things you think they should be paying attention to coming out of this report so i think some of the big pieces that we we at least are focused on in this is going to be things such as you know honestly how do we focus on the value that the organization produces and, and honestly how do we empower teams better and what i mean by this is it goes back to decentralization you know find techniques to do that i actually i'm a big fan of a there's a um there's a kind of a philosophy a, a set of techniques out there called management 3.0 that came out of some of the agility movements and like one of the techniques i've used many times in my past to help just encourage find those inches out there and encourage decentralization is this idea of uh, it's called planning or it's called uh, delegation poker and it's this whole idea of working with a group and saying, what are the decisions we've got to make and determining hey, what, who needs to make what type of decisions and where do I play in that decision-making process? So for us as a leaders out there trying to figure out, well, how do I, how do I empower my teams? Well, there's some great exercises like that. You can Best go poker. run with your teams to just find those inches, you know, like find, find a little piece of value. The other things we kind of find there too are things like, um, honestly, getting to know the human. I think back when we were in the office, we took for granted getting to know the human. We got you some of that, that through osmosis. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We both go grab a coffee and I'd hear about what's going on in your life. Just And I and I might not even be talking. I might have just been passing by and I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, that's, that's what's happened with Connor. Now, all of a sudden, we don't have that. And so we've kind of, we've almost become a little bit more... I don't know. Uh, siloed almost in our culture. Yeah, like maybe siloed. It's almost like we're becoming a little bit, we've got much more of a, like a, a, a mask on around mm. things. Like we, it feels like sometimes, you know, we can't have those candid conversations like we used to because there's not a space for that anymore. And that's so, and so interesting because like at the same time, I am like, I have a video streamed directly into your home right now. I can see your lightsaber. You, know, you can see right? all like, my, all my Legos and yeah. all that stuff that make up Mark. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's this weird dichotomy. You're right. Where we have more access to people than ever before. Like I, yeah. I'm on Slack far too late at night sometimes. Uh, not yes. necessarily a healthy behavioral note. And yet at the same time, it, a lot of it has transformed into work focused versus missing that kind of connection at points that you would find much more naturally at an office. I'll say like if you t- talk to folks who are want to be back at office, Usually they say, hey, I really miss that. I miss that social aspect. That's, that's often right. what I hear from them. So back during 2000, 2001, it's funny. I, me and a few of my colleagues actually started getting together every Friday. And we would do like a happy hour thing. But we did it. We had just a lot of fun with it. Like there was legitimately one session where we all grabbed like a stuffed animal in our house. And what we ended up doing was we had our conversations by like removing ourselves from the camera and like coming up with the craziest background to put that stuffed animal in. And like, so we had to go hunt for something. And it was just, I mean, it was silly, but it was like these abilities to like, I still remember that because it was a connection opportunity I had with a couple of my colleagues. I was like, 
that wasn't anything work related, but it got yeah. us fun. You know, like we had a blast. Yeah, yeah there this you go. My, exactly. For, for anyone watching on the YouTube, you can see my little tea cat right now that I keep on my desk. Is this now replacing me in the stream here? I, I love that. <laughs> exactly. We're all gonna come up. I'm gonna go put my little uh, my little pig with glasses. Oh, I dig. Now that. we're gonna do that. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we. We lose a lot of that connection sometimes, uh, yeah. unless you're intentional about it. Like my team, I'll well, say we maintain like a 30 minute weekly meeting just to like, just to BS. And sometimes in that meeting, I'm like, ah, oh, why am I here? But it's conversations like this that remind me yeah. how important that is, where we need to talk about, you know, that silly TV show I'm watching or exactly who caught the last episode of, you know, yeah, you know, like, was it have you knew the, the rings of power? What do you think of that? Actually, you know, let's talk about it. I'll, I'll, be, I'll admit, I thought it, it let, I felt a little let down. I'm super stoked it's gone, but uh, I, I thought I haven't finished was, the second episode yet. I got cut off halfway through, and I'm like, all right, I see what they're doing here, but yeah. it'll be interesting. Okay, okay. So, yeah. one thing I'll share too. So, anyone out there watching or listening to this, if you're struggling at all to find the human connection, there's another thing, another technique I want to share just as again, you could do something like something silly with zoom but if you need something structured we actually have an activity in our team playbook with Atlassian called my user my user manual and it's a whole thing where you basically write out a page that talks about a little bit about who you are yeah. and you know everything from you know a little bit about you and how you work but then also you know what do you like what are the things you're passionate about and uh, I ran this with one of our customers back eh, maybe two months ago and they they were a pretty close team they were actually group that were all in office together, you know, post pandemic. So they, they knew each other fairly well, but we ran it. And all of a sudden you start finding things out. Like this one guy was a big fan of Frisbee golf and, and the, and the, one of the, the managers was like, I didn't know you, you like that. And he's like, yeah, you know, I go every weekend. He's like, you know, we should totally go. Like I'm into that too. And they started making these connections that they just never thought they would, they never realized. And so being intentional, and I love that word. It's one of my favorite words is intentional they use this structure to just become a little bit intentional about learning about each other. It was a super simple exercise, just went through, filled out a page, and then they went around the horn and, and presented. It was great. So if you're looking for structure, that's a that's an easy technique you can do just to unleash a little bit of humanity into your conversations. I love that. I, I've done a user manual exercise before as well. Have you? Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and for that one, it was like I was joining a team and they said, hey, write, write your user manual. We want to learn about you. Um, it was like a fun icebreaker exercise. And they all had theirs. They've read when they joined the team. Like, oh, here's mine. And <laughs> it, it was it was enjoyable. I And I think there was definitely like context you got out of it. It was, it was really nice. Yeah, um, you start learning about it. And actually, what you just talked about is actually a great way to do to do with those is new people come in. Just make it part of your rituals as a team. You have it posted out there. You know, actually, this team I was telling you about, they loved it so much that what they did in Confluence is they actually went in and they built out like, a section says this is where all our user manuals are so they can share it with the world you know and they'd be like yeah it's like that's who we are and and this speaks to really creating like a human-centric team climate i think uh where it's not just about the work but also i mean we have a panel at interact uh on october to plug it once again talks about like treating death as human beings and uh, i know that's kind of overwhelming sometimes like oh of course things but no people got treated like cogs in this work machine far too often Yep. Oh, yeah. It's like, why, you know, I need you to get this done by this point in time. And then they come back. It's like, is this done yet? It's like, well, you know, I've had these things happen. I just, is it done yet? All of a sudden, you start stripping out the humanity there, you know? I've got worth that. I'll admit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. same. It, back in my prior, prior lives, you know, it's one of those things you almost, and you sit back and you reflect on, you're like, wow, what was I thinking? But it's easy to get caught up in those sorts of things. Yeah. 
So what are other ways you can help build that kind of human-centric team climate? I think one of the other big things that can help uh, do that is helping to kind of encourage things like innovation within the team. I think innovation in the team helps to kind of help people bring unique aspects of themselves in again brings that that those unique ideas and so go, by going through an encouraging environment where you can share ideas you can go and feel free to like push back or or say hey i think we can do this better that's a huge piece and you need uh, psychological okay. safety to be able to feel comfortable 100 percent. connor i got a question for you here yeah. too because i knew we were going to talk about this at some level is what when was the last time you and your team reflected or retrospected as a team When's the last time we did our retro? I, I'm happy I can say it was last week because we had an offsite yes. and, and we did a, a retro on some of the stuff we've been working on. But it is, I think it really depends from team to team and, and yeah. we're not consistent about it, I'll say. Well, and one of the, and I, I asked that because one of the th- first signs you look for in terms of that innovation is one, do you do it? But then more importantly, do you act upon it? Do you, do you, and is it a culture where you feel like that's, that's the idea? We've actually found that 97% of teams that work within an organization where things like reflection and taking action is encouraged actually are considered very innovative. Like People feel like it's an innovative culture because guess what? The behaviors of the organization that are being encouraged are that of, hey, let's think back, let's take action, and let's try something else. And so this flavor of innovation starts kind of coming to life because we're encouraging psychological safety by allowing people to speak up. We're encouraging the idea of trying new things and this idea that don't be afraid to fail because guess what? We're never going to get it right the first time. But what we can do is learn fast. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that kind of fast iteration is Mm -hmm. really crucial, right? Like there's so much of modern engineering that says in order to become stable, you move quickly. Because that iterate of cycles is, is how you improve. But it's also true for, for team dynamics, to your point. Um, you need to learn quickly and, and adjust. And uh, I think the, the part that gets ignored a lot is people say, oh, we got to move fast. But then they don't do that retrospective piece, to your point, of like, okay, yep. how can we adjust? How can the team get better? Yeah, we don't need to do this this week. And, you know, okay, we'll pass on that. You know, and then, you know, most of the times, you know, why that happens is it, it's because, you know, we get together and we talk about it. But we don't ever really do anything about mm-hmm. it. And so all of a sudden, it's the same conversation. So the moment that it just feels like we're just going into some good group therapy, we're like, we can skip therapy this week. We can, we'll come back a future week. So that, I think that's, it goes back into actually good, you know, at my prior life as like a scrum master, a coach, these sorts of things, it was imperative to help make sure that they were like, we saw those inches. We saw the things come out of those things because then all of a sudden the team was asking for it because they said, you know what? I realize that when I engage in this conversation, we actually do it better. We actually change things. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, it's the culture we want to build. The lives of developers are about to change for the better, and listeners of Dev Interrupted are getting early access. Gitstream is the free, revolutionary tool that allows developers to focus more on the craft of code and less on things like toil, rework, and bottlenecks. When Linear B found that 50% of each development cycle was spent on PR idle time, we knew something had to change. We realized CICD alone wasn't enough. We need to shift even farther left to fix the PR process with continuous merge. And we're doing that with Gitstream. With Gitstream, we can solve the PR idle time problem, ship code faster, and make us all happier as developers. To get your early access at Gitstream, Dev Interrupted listeners can sign up at gitstream.cm. That's G-I-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot C-M. 
I think that alignment is super important of like, hey, we actually see the value of this because uh, by looking at the data from this last year report, it says 57% of participants in the study said their team isn't operating efficiently. And if you're yes. in that, you know, almost 60% of people who, who think their team has efficiency issues, uh, your instinct is probably, oh, like, this is kind of BS. We just need to like do the work. We got to execute. And yet, if you strip away that retrospective element, that like thoughtful element of, hey, how are we doing? How can we improve? You're just going to execute a lot in an inefficient way. I think one of the big things there too is you think about that that figure there. Like more than half of our of our surveyed participants believe that they're not working effectively or efficiently. One of the biggest elements that comes into that is this idea that you know what we're wasting our time, and a lot of that time gets is that feeling of being of wasted is in things like meetings that don't make sense or you know you had brought up earlier the whole like how do we work asynchronously instead of getting on zoom for everything we do we figure out a new way a new ritual of how we actually collaborate differently because all of a sudden i think we you've probably gone through it i know i have over the last year this this feeling of zoom fatigue this aspect where i feel like i bounce back to back to back and then i don't feel like i get anything done and so of course i don't feel effective of course i don't think i'm getting particularly if you move into something where it's either external facing or leadership facing where you have you start getting all these one-on-ones right you say okay like now i'm leading a team of six and i have to have a one-on-one with everyone every week you know, even if those are 30 minutes, that's two and a half hours there of meeting time, just got added. Plus, suddenly you're probably in more leadership meetings where. Yep. Now you're in meetings up here, your meetings over here, your meetings over there. Yeah. And all of a sudden you look at your calendar and you're like, wow, you know, when am I, when am I actually supposed to get other stuff done? When can I invest honestly in both yourself as well as, you know, follow-ups from those one-on-ones? Uh, I think one of the biggest things as a people leader that in my, one of my last uh, gigs as a people leader I would have my one-on-one with folks, but then it was all the work afterwards to help totally. kind of find out, hey, how do I help that person Yeah, you now told me this issue. That how do I then yep. take that and actually apply it? Maybe you yep. told yeah. me you If I don't got time, all of a sudden I'm just going in and be like, ooh, sorry, I couldn't get that done for you. How does that make you feel as an employee? You know, And now all of a sudden you start getting into engagement problems and stuff like that. It's a domino effect. Yeah, and one-on-ones should be time for your team, but they're also a form of retrospective, I would say. Uh, yes. To your point. And so... Like, great, you're doing them. But if you don't then apply those learnings to the iterative process you mentioned, is your team actually improving? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's where I think that's where there's some reinvention that is is definitely needed as we think about some of these new modern ways of working. And, you know, we're not trying to completely change things, but we want to say, hey, based on our current circumstances, how can we do this better? You know, how can we think about, hey, we're going to be doing whether it be team meetings or things like that beforehand. We, yeah, I remember getting into a staff meeting and we'd all come together, you know, into the big conference room and we'd BS for 15 minutes and then we'd jump into things. That's sometimes difficult when we think about the remote experience. So we think about now, well, what were, were the things that we got out of that? What were the outcomes we sought? And now are there different ways we can do that, you know? Maybe in the end, there's not even a need for a weekly staff meeting. Maybe we say, hey, you know what? We can update these few places. We're now going to have a uh, 15-minute dance party that happens during that time. So we're all just going to have get, get together and have a great time. You know? Honestly, I'm about to like, turn my standing desk up. I know, right, there, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess I'm curious then. So at, at Lassian, are, is your culture, would you call it docs-focused then with Confluence, where you centralize there, and then meetings are more for like either collaboration or connection? How have you and your teams like approached it internally? 
I would say we're very docs focused, but we still struggle with things like meetings. Yeah. Honestly, you know, we still are working our way through that, especially as we've grown. Because one of those signs of getting larger is now you've got to try to make different connections. And one of those ways as we've gotten bigger over the years is people having meetings to try to build connections. But meetings. we're starting to yeah. find what was that? The cross-functional meetings where like maybe oh, I need yeah, exactly. It's like we got to connect these this. groups together yeah. here. Well, and, and one of the things I've appreciated um, a lot about Atlassian culture is that because it is, it's it's lead asynchronously. That's that's really like the the motto that's been brought in is, hey, you know what? If you got an idea out there, go throw it in a Confluence page, blast it out, and actually have people provide you feedback before you just go and try to present an idea waste a bunch of time collecting feedback there and then have to go back and do it again. So if we can reduce, you know, there still might be a meeting needed, but can we reduce it by one and say, hey, you know, we're going to do some pre-work beforehand. I've also seen a, one of my favorite techniques that we've I've, I've, I got exposed to here at Atlassian in my, my last three years that I it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, aha, I'm like, why didn't I ever do that before? Was what we do is we'd actually start meetings out knowing that if we had a doc, sometimes we'd send it out beforehand and nobody would read it. And you know, I think we've all all been there. What we do is take first 15 minutes of the meeting and says, all right, everybody, you know, especially now in a remote world, go read the document, add your comments, your thoughts, go through it. So it's a silent reading for the first 15 minutes. And then we spend the remaining time and you know, when maybe you have only 15 more minutes if you got a half hour going through the comments with the idea is like you've instructed people to kind of say, these are the type of things I'm looking for as you're commenting through here. And so then as a group, we can kind of, you know, go back and forth on the comments. So no longer are we kind of going into a meeting and hoping, you know, someone says, yeah, I kind of read it. I looked at the titles, you know, <laughs> now we've actually all done it and we can have a, you know, actually a generative conversation out of it. It's no longer a, you know, it, we no longer going to need a meeting after the meeting because then people are actually going to do the work. So uh, one of my favorite techniques that we've entered that have, has present here that I now I'm taking into everything I go to. I love that. Uh, and I appreciate the kind of actionable takeaways you're bringing to this episode of the show. Uh, you know, definitely something we love. And it's all about the inches, right? Yeah. Hey, if anyone watching or listening out here, your goal is find those inches. I think I'm going to have my team do operations manuals or operators manuals and put them into Confluence. Uh, you said that. Yeah, do it. I, I, and I was thinking about that as, as you talked about it. I was like, oh, they probably put this in Confluence. And you mentioned, it. I'm like, yeah, like we could do yep. that. Like that would be easy. Yeah. And then as Pete, just to your point earlier, as people join, all of a sudden it becomes, it becomes part of how your team works. It becomes part of your culture yeah. because it's part of your behaviors of like, Hey, yeah, you know, you join you know, actually an interesting thing we do at Atlassian is this idea of an uh, introduction blog post. And so when we come in, it's less about the user manual. Uh, we still will do that within our own internal teams. But when you join the company, go, we have like, if you go into Confluence, there's even a blog post template. We go write a blog post, our first blog post, and it's just talking about who we are. You know, what's our background? What do we love? What are the things? I, got, I remember in there, I have pictures of me and my kids. I've got a picture of some bread I baked at one point because I was super fac uh, fixated on baking at one point in my life. <laughs> and then there was like a trip with my wife, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so like it became, it allowed me to introduce myself as a person versus a job title, you know, and and so we do. Everyone does it, and what's really even neat is that in a like one thing I like to do on Mondays is I come in in the morning and in our on on Confluence homepage for us. When we come in, you know, that's your first place you stop to. There's a section of new blogs, and there's a you know just top blogs, but then there's also intro blogs. So I don't have to just take thirty minutes while I'm drinking my coffee and just scroll through the intro blog. 
software engineer in India. There's a new um, product marketing manager in the UK or someone just actually, I found someone who's just down the road from me in Michigan. I'm like, oh, cool. And so I connect, I I said, hey, welcome. That's that's really cool. I I love that idea, especially for an organization that's scaling like Atlassian has Mm -hmm. to be that science where you still have this human connection you can develop, which to your point earlier is is hard. It really is. You got to be intentful. There's that word again, right? Uh, So Mark, this this is all... Great. I mean, the, the data is super interesting. The takeaways are great. What is it you plan to bring to Interact? Like, what's that that you can give us about what uh, what folks are going to hear from you on October 25th? So one of the things I know y'all had asked me back when we started talking about this is like, and I had mentioned this idea that we're getting our latest state of teams coming out here, is that's going to release at the very beginning of November. And so he says, is there any way we can get a sneak peek? I think I can make that happen. And so what you're going to get here, so if you if you tune in for Interact, you're going to get a sneak peek at some of the data we have in our latest state of teams. And the way I like to summarize it after looking through it and kind of thinking about how I want to present this out to y'all is that things have finally started to settle. You know, if we think about it, it's been about a year since, you know, things like coming back to the office has happened. We, a lot of that noise is starting to kind of die down in media. And what we're finding is that there's, settling that's happening, just like a foundation. And there's a little bit of fallout from the new modern ways of working, these new ways we're doing out that we may not have expected. So my goal is going to share with you a couple of the fallout areas that we're seeing. So some of those things that we didn't expect would happen are actually happening. And how we deal with that. Think about things like, I'll just put a teaser out there. Think about things like, how does imposter syndrome play out in a world where we're remote most of the time? So going to be fascinating so does this apply to the unusual suspects data that i know has done as well yeah so for the listeners and the watchers out there so as part of our state of teams that we came out with just this last year uh so back in back earlier this year we actually came out with a supplemental report that you know i think we could probably post this somewhere as associated with the blog or with the the podcast but we found four kind of anomalies in our data where we were looking through it uh, and we said, hey, wow, there's some really interesting trends and it has to do with what we're calling the unusual suspects. And those are basically data points that we found that were, you know, unusual. Things like this idea of a bad apple. So I think when I say bad apple, a lot of people probably are like, I think I know what that means. But think about those people who like kind of pull the team down, those people who are actively disengaged. It's interesting because based on our data, we found that out of you know 26% of those people we talked to said that they had a bad apple in their group. And what and there's impacts to that. There's think about things like turnover and stuff like that. Another one of those unusual suspects was this idea of what we called the human torch. It's it's burnout. You know, we go in, we we go bright Oh, here we All go. Right, I'm bringing I'm it up. Pulling up for, yeah. for the YouTube I audience. love it. I love it. 28% of people of the last six months have reported these like, symptoms of burnout here. So when we experience things like checking Slack in the middle of the night, tis tis, Connor. <laughs> I'm so guilty. Those are yeah, things that lead to the human torch. And so all of us, and, and one actually an interesting fact here, I think it was somewhere around like 48% um, of individuals who actually had like high caregiving needs too. So maybe they had families they took care of too at home or, or, or uh, fam- other family members. They were 48% more likely to experience wow. burnout. So you can see where that continually grows. So the human torch is something I think we can all relate to at some all right, level. So bad apples, human torch. What else we got? Here? Yep. 
So next one up on our list, if you scroll on down here, it's the flight risk. Now, this is fascinating. So the flight risk is interesting because what we found is that 28% of not just people, but leaders, so the managers, the people who set the tone in the organization are considering quitting in the next three months. So how, and this is where it's kind of scary, the leaders, the first ones we talked to earlier, they can help set the behaviors, they can help generate the environment. And if they're already planning on leading it, how the heck are we going to support a team in that And what kind of behaviors so, are rolling down from them around? Yeah, all of a sudden I see my boss is, you know, leaving. I'm like, ooh, you know, what, is, what does that say for me at that point? All right. So that, that's a, that, that was a fascinating point there. And in the last one, this last one here is, is I think something that honestly the remote aspect has led to at some level. And this is this idea of, I kind of mentioned it earlier, a little bit of the mask, a little bit of the, you know, always okay, you know, hey, yeah, we're, we're just cordial with each other because we don't know each other completely as humans. But this idea that as teams are trying to innovate on ideas, teams find that themselves 9% less likely to come up with new ideas if they're super connected all the time. It means that all of a sudden we're too cordial with each other. We're too bond, you know, it's mm. almost like there's not enough friction in the group. Where and I find that is. things like, yeah, exactly. If all of a sudden we're agreeing with each other all the time. So, you know, we're not, we're not kind of button right, heads a little bit. Got it. Okay. Where does, you know, what is it? You know, diamonds come out of pressure, yeah. you know? And so how, where's the pressure? Where's the, where's the tension here? So th- that's, that was another interesting area that kind of came out was this aspect that, wow, you know, teams that are connected, awesome. You know, they're, fi- they're, they're finding that connection, but they're not generating new ideas because they're just, I don't know, they haven't shared their full self. And so they're, they're struggling to put on anything more than maybe that first level of professionalism. And, and I think to your point, I believe the report said 56% of teams had poor connection and alignment in the, the key problem areas that you identified. That's what, that's basically the the largest area that led to poor team health was poor connection and alignment. And, and really, that means connection to each other, but then also connection to the organization and its goals. So one of the big things I'm, I'm super passionate about is how do we help teams understand their purpose, their mission? What is it that they do and why do they do it? Even if I'm just a micro, even if I'm just building a set of like services in the background, or maybe I'm an operations team, these folks who may not be building the sexy UI that goes out there, what is it the value you bring to the table? And so that lack of alignment goes back to not really understanding where I fit into the puzzle, maybe not understanding the goals of the organization and how my work contributes to that. So we've got to get better. And this goes back to leadership. This goes, we've got to get better at how do we honestly tell our teams really energizing stories around the impacts that we're making. Yeah, that shared understanding of the team's goals and each person's mm-hmm. role in pursuing them is really important. And it's something I'll say, I, I hear from a lot of the best leaders who come on this podcast, they say, hey, you need your engineers to understand not just what the feature they're doing is, but also how it affects the customer, how it's driving business bottom line, because that helps people understand their impact. And if engineers are thinking that and the people who are actually building the products who are you know, putting things at play, that absolutely, you know, the entire or all teams need to be thinking about, okay, like, oh, yeah. Well, it it leads to better products too. You know, it leads to that aspect, especially in the engineering world. I remember this, you know, working with teams, we would always try to get to like, why are we doing this? It's not just about go build this new, I remember working for a uh, financial firm 
and they wanted us to build a new uh, API to connect in with some fi- with some subsidiary financial companies. And we're like, why are we trying to do that? And we ended up finding out that they all actually wanted to aggregate data for a customer so they could see it all in one place. And so, you know what? They thought we had to develop this new you know, service to do that. And we're like, we already get that data over here. And they're like, you do? They're like, yeah, we could just tap right into it. And so all of a sudden, it became an issue where we actually saved money and time because we understood what we were trying to do versus just be, you know, being order takers because you're not going to get what you want if you're just putting down what they say. So I, I like that we're thinking about like cross-functional communication, understanding goals. We've talked about you know constructive feedback, retros, opportunities to reflect in this, like I'll call it a blame-free environment. Yeah. What about like celebrating achievement? How how do you think about that and the impact on teams? So I think one of the things we don't do enough these days, and even our data talks about this too, is we don't do enough celebrating. We back in the day, we would have opportunities to do some of that. I feel just naturally through being together, something awesome happens. Cool, great job. But the thing is, is as we kind of moved out and kind of distributed. All of a sudden, that kind of almost camaraderie that would happen where we say, oh, we did this thing kind of went away. Now, you get some things like you have, like we use Slack at Atlassian. And so you have that ability to go into a Slack room and be like, oh, this is a great thing. But it's it's not a muscle that many of us have, have trained ourselves on fully. And so finding opportunities to celebrate the accomplishments and honestly, not necessarily not like put down for the failures, find ways that how do we learn from our failures it's one of those things that although it's as old as time, it's still as true as always. It's like we've got to continue to find ways to encourage people, find people, you know, it's part of the engagement problem. How do we help people engage as we say we help them see the impact they're making and, and honestly celebrate the impacts that they've made. And so for me, things like find, you know, opportunities to celebrate, even small ones too. And one of the things actually I used to do as a people leader was actually find out from my people how do they like to be celebrated? You know, some people, some people love, you know, getting out there and having the, you know, being celebrated out wide. Some teams love that too, but some people, you know, they're not a big fan of that. And so going out there and finding out, you know, how do you like to be celebrated and being able to do that for your people, it, it goes miles in terms of that engagement and that support, just that feeling that, Hey, I'm, I'm with a group of people that I, I truly enjoy working with. I think that's a great recognition. And it's something I, I keep on referencing. The best leaders come on this podcast, but that they do the same thing where it's like they, when someone comes yeah. on their team, they they figure out how does this person want to be communicated with? How can I celebrate them that yep. is impactful for them? And then they continue to repeat that. And uh, yep. Mark, I, I can't thank you enough. It's all about the follow through, right? Yeah, I can't thank you enough for the, all these great takeaways and pieces. Because I, I know a lot of the leaders and people potential leaders on, who are listening to the show will take this and say, okay, like, how can I apply this to my team? So this, this is a great way to go about it. And we can't wait to have you at Interact too. I, it's going to be great. And, you know, I will say for your your listeners and your watchers out there, and if you're looking for cool ways of how to improve your team, again, look for the inches and go look at things like, I mentioned the Atlassian team playbook. Great, a lot of great plays you can go try out there just to try to find those little opportunities. Things like Management 3.0, great way of how do you help think about things like how do we work in more of a modern way. So I want to make that last plug. And then I can't wait to come and speak at, uh, at Interact here uh, in October because I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation we're going to have around, all right, we're here, now what? Well, Mark, can't wait to have you back for Interact and to hear more in depth about the data that Atlassian's seeing and get that sneak peek. 
Uh, look forward to seeing you there. And thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Connor. This was great. Thanks all. And I'll give a last shout out to our, our listeners uh, and those folks who watch on YouTube. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. You can hear from other incredible speakers like Mark again at Interact October 25th. And yeah, we'll see you all next week. Thank you.